welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. The Yak Sports Podcast is back. I'm Leela McRae. Joe Deck with me. Plenty of high school football to talk about as they get in the playoffs. Also going to touch on volleyball. And let's just get to it. Let's talk about the local high school stuff with Joe Deck here. Uh, uh, Joe, the game everybody was talking about last week was the Riverhead Stewart's draft game. And it... It lived up to being a classic. It was an absolute slugfest where both teams really couldn't get much offense going because both defenses were just great and uh, kept the points down and kept the yardage down. Uh, you know, not a lot of yards to be had out there. We saw Zach Smiley getting stopped. We saw the slew of running Riverheads running backs, the slew of Stewart's draft running backs really held down. And other than a cutback run by Roth. In the first half for Stewart's draft and penalties about 17 and a half yards worth. Um, but then it was capped off by Zach Smiley touchdown. Other than that, no offense. You know, everybody was getting stopped. The game was kind of between the 40s and uh, an overtime field goal won that for the Gladiators. You know, I was at the game, so I can talk a lot about the details. But, you know, what's your reaction to hearing what the game was like, seeing the scores and, and whatnot? Yeah, I'd say I kind of predicted this last week. I said it was going to be a low-scoring game and defensive battle, and I said that because not because I thought the offenses were bad, but because I thought the defenses were that good. Uh, seeing that they Stewart Straff lost isn't necessarily surprising. Um, it was in overtime. I'm surprised they didn't go to the air a little bit more from based on what you and I said after the game, um, because I kind of felt like that was a Riverhead's weakness if they could exploit that. Uh, but, yeah. you know, they, for me, I, I just kind of feel like this this game, I thought it was going to be a defensive struggle. I didn't realize they were going to hold Riverheads to one touchdown. Um, yeah. And so right. for that, I think, I know I had said this to you on the phone uh, when you called me that night. Uh, but I, I think this kind of proves that Stewart's draft defense is even better than last year's. And that was, you know, the best defense that school's ever seen and took them on their longest run in postseason history to a state championship game. If this defense keeps playing like that, there is no reason Stuart Straff will not be playing in the state championship game at home this year uh, with the COVID protocols. But um, they'll get to host it if they can get there. And the yeah. way this defense is played, I just don't see I don't see anyone in Region B stopping them. Uh, region A, and we can talk about this here in a minute, I guess, but Region yeah. A, one of their biggest obstacles is out with COVID. They had a positive COVID test, so they're out. Um, and that's King William. So yeah, I, I guess, you know, when you look at it, Appomattox is the team you worry about and that's on the other side of the bracket and you'll see them in a the state championship. Yeah. I, I think looking ahead, I agree with everything you said. We'll, we'll swing back to looking ahead here in a second. The game itself, either team could have won a really either team could have won it's the high school overtime rules really gives either team an opportunity to win but even in regulation both teams had their chances um you know no one really came up empty in the red zone kind of situation you know it was the game was played in the middle of the field and even even back at your own 20 and punting away um special teams punting both punters were great uh the denison kid for stewart's draft especially in the first half uh really good pinning riverheads on the one at one point later in the game, pinning him inside the 20. But then also uh, Caden, uh, Caden Cook Cash for Riverheads. He did a great job punting. And I, I, I don't think he was the one that punted it early in the season. Like Riverheads doesn't punt that often. Uh, it hasn't either. Um, but he did a great job in this game. 
doing what he needed to do. He had line drives when he needed them. He had higher balls when he needed them. Uh, I think Dennison probably looked more like the experienced player, but Caden Cook catch did a good job, and that's all you asked for. So special teams came up big. The punting, the kickoff coverage, as few as there were, and then the and then the field goal to win it. Um, the passing game that you're talking about for short draft, they just don't seem very confident with their passing game. They did not have number six in very often to be their quarterback to take the snap and throw a pass or be it in a traditional offense. They just did not do that much. They felt much stronger with their, you know, two backs in the backfield. Either one could get the snap. Uh, Usually it was balls were kid. And and most of the time it really was nice taking the snap. Mm -hmm. Um, They felt more confident doing that. Who am I to say? I, if they had a stronger passing game, that would have been an advantage. I just, if they're not confident in it and every time, you know, there are three other passes that weren't intercepted kind of went into the ground. They weren't, they weren't looking good. Like the four or three, four passes they attempt, none of them look good. And one of them got intercepted. So I, I get why maybe they didn't go to that more. So I think offensively, I know sure draft was more potent last year. I will say that, um, but I think they were playing a better defense in Riverheads too. Like I think I think more of both defenses after this game. I watched both teams a little bit on film going into it. You know, having an FHS network makes it good. You just couldn't see what these two teams were really going to do against each other, playing against the lesser teams that are in the district. So it was hard to judge. I I think I misjudged it watching video. Once they started playing really early, I think right before we go on air, I'm making predictions. Uh, Bill Piner's predicting a lot more points scored than what was. You could feel that this. Was going to be a defensive struggle. Maybe not <laughs> ten to seven, but you could just feel like there every single yard was going to be hard to come by. When you see Zach Smiley getting stopped, you see Aaron Nice getting stopped. That's that's where you think. Um, going into overtime, you know, I I called the game live for radio, and it was available multiple ways online. I was very surprised in the moment that Coach Floyd went for it on fourth and three. Fourth and goal number three in overtime. I'm surprised he didn't put his kicker out there because he, that is a kid can kick. He can kick. He can make that. It's an extra point. He can make it. I'm surprised they didn't choose to do that. The only place I can get is that Coach Floyd's coached against Coach Casto for years. He knows the kind of coach Coach Casto is. I think he was afraid they wouldn't get the ball back. He needed to get winning points now because Coach Casto, how many times has gone for two in the win? or been in a position where is it aggressive or be conservative and he's aggressive. And so I think he just thought I got to get the most points I can get here. I think traditionally in football, that's not what you do. And when you're the first person with the ball and every time you get some points, you get points. You just got to get points because that puts all the pressure on the second team. So when they didn't get it, all the pressure was off of Riverheads there. They, you know, heck they ran for it in, in, in the end zone, sure, there was an offsides, uh, a false start penalty that got called wrong. They called it illegal shift. It was, it was just a false start. Um, that went into the end zone immediately. You could just kind of see the it was looser for Riverheads right there. They back it up, and then they only get to about the two themselves. And but then they put the kicker out there. He kicks it. He wins. And the, and the kicker seemed calm. Cooper uh, Cooper Robson came out there. I always want to call out these kickers that kick the game winners. He did a great job. So I'm just really surprised Floyd didn't kick it there. In the moment, I thought it was a huge call, big decision. Post-game, I, I didn't dive back into it. But, man, you just have to wonder if they at least put a field goal up there. Does it change the mentality for Riverheads there? Does Riverheads only get the field goal themselves and tie it? And then what happens? Because then Riverheads has the ball first, and you get the ball second. I I just – it's easy to second-guess it because they didn't get it. I was, I was second-guessing it in the moment. 
I left it alone after the game. No, I don't. I, I know why. I, I get probably he probably did it that way, but it just I think it would have been better off if they had points on the board. I don't mind it, and I think you know this about Coach Casto yourself. If Stewart, let's say Stewart's draft kicks the field goal, then on that fourth and goal from the two, Coach Casto's going to run it. And if they get in, Maybe. then we're saying, man, Coach Floyd, you knew Riverheads wasn't going to kick a field goal. You got to go for it. And but so Riverheads has made that decision plenty of times in the last twenty years and not gotten in. Twenty-five years, not gotten in. Yeah, but I'd so rather wonder, I'd rather score the touchdown knowing they're going to go for a touchdown. Yeah. If I kick, I it. mean, it, it's really easy to second guess it when they didn't get it. Yeah, um, I I I, I don't mind Coach Floyd doing that. I think that's that's fine. I know it didn't work out for Stewart Draft the way they wanted, but I think that um, you know it's heartbreaking when you lose. But I, I don't mind coaches doing that. Just like I think if if Stewart Draft had gone for it, gotten it, scored a touchdown, and kicked an extra point, I think Riverheads is going to score that touchdown and go for two. Because that's what we've seen him do in the past. Yeah, because and I I agree with that mentality. Don't let the other team on the field. And the extra point that there is not putting any points on the board. I think there's a lot. There's a difference there. Getting the see, I I don't think it does because I think I think then we're talking about a fourth and goal and Riverheads goes for it and I know it was a defensive struggle every moment up to that. But if you're saying gun to my head riverheads needs two yards are they gonna get it (laughs) riverheads needs two yards is riverheads gonna score i'm gonna say yeah they're gonna score it's two yards what i mean they get 20 so why am i gonna be surprised if they can get two so yeah i I just i don't mind coach floyd going for it i know they didn't get it and they end up losing the game but that's just football sometimes and um I, i think it's i think it shows he believes in his kids and i think the next time he's in that situation I think he's, he does it again. Even even though it doesn't work, it just because something doesn't work doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. So I do wonder if it's the difference, though, between playing against aggressive Coach Casto and somebody else. I wonder if it's different. I would think if they're playing Appomattox, uh, you would do the same thing. So, And maybe if Appomattox kicker is terrible, maybe you don't, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. All right, so... Moving away from that game, and we will talk more about those teams coming up. Uh, the opponent for Stewart's draft in this upcoming playoff game that we're already referencing is Buffalo Gap. Buffalo Gap snuck in. I, all year, I cautioned everybody that 4-2 and two wasn't safe. Um, Buffalo Gap sneaks in at 3-3 three and three because their losses are to 4-2 and two Wilson and then 5-1 and one draft and 6-0 and oh Riverheads. And when you look at the power points, it's just a lot of rider points on other teams' wins that Clark County didn't have. Um, they were the beneficiary. Really, that, yeah, I was gonna say they're the beneficiary of Clark County not being able to play a full schedule. Yeah, because they couldn't get more rider points off other teams winning. Mm-hmm. Like they could have played a decent team, probably beat them, gotten more rider points. So you just had less to divide by when you're Clark County and less rider points to throw in the mix. And so Buffalo Gap gets in. They did what they had to do going into that game. They knew if we beat Fort Defiance, we're in good shape for the playoffs. They did just that. They took care of business. They were up sixteen nothing at halftime. Uh, Tanner Rivenberg had another good game uh, through for a touchdown. He did that against Riverheads the week before. Uh, and then he ran into on his own as well. Um, so they beat Fort 37-23. Fort season's done. I don't believe they're even doing a plus one game. But Gap plays on. And uh, I'm surprised. You know, for all the years that I say Gap wins one more than you expect them to, Gap finds a way, Gap does that. I don't really put this in the same category at the moment, just having seen them, having knowing what who they lost to and who they beat. I think that loss to Wilson still 
puts a negative look on the season when Gap really prides himself as being, you know, that next team or, you know, you know, could rise up to be the next team. I think they took a step back this year with losing to Wilson. Same, I'd say the same for Fort Defiance. And um, so Buffalo Gap's in, and that's what matters. you got to be in the tournament to win it. But now they're playing Stewart's draft again. And if you beat Wilson, there's a chance you're the three seed and you're not having to play Stewart's draft in the first round. So it's, it's I think, uh, very good for Gap. You won, you had to, you lost two straight, and one of them you didn't really expect, but good rebound win over Fort who faded. I mean, they, they faded even, I know they were one and three, but, and they had tough games, but I think losing to Wilson and then losing to gap and back-to-back weeks, just, I just wouldn't predict that at the beginning of the year that they would have lose both those. They were one and one. At least win one of those. Didn't they start one and one? They were one and one and then, and then one and three, but (laughs) well, they finished one and five is my point. Like I think, yeah. Yeah. The last two losses is what I was trying to, to hit on there. Like, you figure you lose to Rockbridge, you lose to Stewart's Draft, and you lose to Riverheads. That's the one. That's the three losses yeah, that, like, that's fair. after the first week of the season when you lost to Rockbridge, okay, we're, we're losing three. Um, when you lose those last two, it just wasn't where Fort thought they were. I, I appreciated Coach Rolf's uh, comments in the Waynesboro newspaper talking about, you know, if it's if it's a full season, if it's 10 games, maybe we get some of this stuff straightened out and we have more time with the kids and maybe you see that improvement on the field more. All probably true statements. It's a short season and it's hard. But everybody played the same amount of games too. So it it it's a spring season. I think it's easier for Fort and uh, Stanton and Waynesboro. Maybe not Waynesboro because they kind of turned a corner. But it's easy for those teams to kind of look at, well, that was spring football. That was the spring, like – Treat it like the college, you know, that was our spring practice season. Move forward with who we got coming back in the fall for a full regular season. You know, I think it's a lot easier to to frame it that way when you when you go one and five. I guess that's the way you have to frame it when you're one and five. But yeah, I, I just Yeah, you gotta you gotta, you gotta I don't know. I'd rather be Wilson saying, Hey, we're four and two and we're ready yeah. to rock and oh, roll yeah. in this fall season coming up. Like or even Turn Waynesboro, like watch out draft and Riverhead. Yeah, even yeah. Waynesboro's one and five. I'd rather be, and maybe two and five because right. I think they'll beat Stanton in their plus one game that we'll talk about here in a minute. But I just, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it was a rough year for Fort. I think any way you slice it, it was a pretty rough year. Yep. Um, a step back. Yeah, but for Buffalo Gap, uh, great for them to get in the playoffs. I mean. I know I, I don't That's disagree. I don't disagree that this was maybe a bit of disappointing when you look at wins and losses on the schedule because you weren't expecting to lose to Wilson. But that being said, you you still found a way to get in the playoffs, even if it is the beneficiary of Clark County not being able to play all their games. Okay, I mean, that's what happened. So you're in. Those are the rules. Yep. That's fine. Um, they're going to lose this game. I give them a zero. Yeah, we'll talk about chance. that in a minute, and we'll be and we'll be quick with it. Uh- so the reason Wilson finished four and one is because they did finish off the regular part of the season here with a forty-one to six over Stanton. Four and two. Four and two. I don't know what I said. I know four and two. I said it a couple minutes ago, but Lord I think you saw forty-one in the score and said four and one. Four and one. Four and one would have been good too, but uh, <laughs> four and two is about all you can ask out of these teams in the district this season. Uh, so, Coach Budgeon in his first season coaching four and two. And they have a play, uh, a plus one game coming up. So we'll, we'll talk about what that scenario is. They took care of business. That's what I like to see out of this Wilson team. Everybody's starting to pat them on the back at the end of season. Three, do you just beat Gap? Good job. You're that next best team this year. You're that third place team. Good job. Great first year. They didn't 
mess around with Stanton. They came out and just shattered them. And that's what I like to see. When you are a good, when you're a decent team, good team, decent team, whatever you want to call them, to come out and smack around a lesser team, I, taking care of it, I, I love it. It's a great sign, great sign for the future. Yeah, I think for Wilson, this season has been a great year. I, I don't know how else you would categorize this other than anything as a success for Wilson because yes. four and two was not what you and I were thinking was a realistic goal here. We, we were thought one and hope for two. I was going to say, yeah, hope for two. <laughs> and if you're lucky, maybe you get three. Um, but yeah, so four and two is great for Wilson. And I think, as you said, I, I will talk about this plus one game in a minute, but I am so interested in seeing what happens in that game. Uh, for this one, I wasn't surprised by the score. It's just what yeah. I kind of expected at this point. And I think that shows how how much Wilson grew from last year to this year, even in a shortened season. Stanton is still struggling. Stanton is still young. But Wilson, we have seen how good this Wilson team is under his system. And I am just thrilled to see what they can do next year in the fall. Yeah. And I mean, it's a 3C team as well. They're so. going to... You know, we talk about Riverhead. I was going to say, I don't want to put any pressure on him. Yeah, I don't want to put any pressure on him, but I was going to say, I think they're going to be in the playoffs. (laughs) I think they're a playoff team next year. They would have been this year if they just would have had uh, the normal Mm -hmm. playoffs. So that's that's really something to play for. It's a reasonable goal. Waynesboro at Broadway, they came up short. Broadway got out to a lead, and they were able to maintain it. You know, Waynesboro didn't give up. They kept Broadway from scoring more, and Broadway had a better offense uh, this year. This year. And uh, they didn't show it full out in this game. Only scoring 19 points there. Waynesboro's D did a good job keeping them from, you know, tacking on touchdowns there. And, and they kept fighting. It's a great sign. Uh, again, this is a positive story. It's one in five. Yeah, but that's one in five after 20 some straight losses. So that's good. Um, so they'll play Stanton and we'll see who gets two wins. We'll talk about that in a minute again. Rockbridge, I, I'm not giving you any time to say anything there because we'll talk about Waynesboro in a minute. Mm-hmm. Rockbridge, they win the Valley District. They beat Turner Ashby 31 27. We had two district championship game set up this week we had uh, the shenandoah decided in greenville and we had up in uh ta up at bridgewater the valley district decided that game had the offense (laughs) that game had 31 27 trading touchdowns uh getting a field goal you know that's that was the offensive game uh a slugfest up there but with points being scored so Rockbridge makes the playoffs. They get actually the one seed in class three C. They beat out Brookville. Uh, I showed them tied in my PowerPoints. Even in the PowerPoints that were released, I think it showed them tied. Uh, but uh, they beat them out, whether with a tiebreaker or with, as they referenced in the top 10 points that weren't shown in the uh, the equation. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just Why don't you just use the points? Uh, but TA's out. TA's not in the playoffs. They finished sixth in that region. Uh, at a at five and one, and that's the example of what I was saying at the beginning of the season. There's going to be good teams left out of these playoffs in different regions, and I think if the whole region two B plays, we, we're probably talking about more of that. Uh, I just think a lot of those northern teams had problems getting all the games in, and it it kind of messed that up. But Valley District, a great example of that. Uh, TA was sitting, I think, at sixth. Don't make it at five and one. Uh, Wilson, I think, was right behind them. So um, it's interesting uh, how all that worked out. Uh, that 3C playoffs is going to be tough. I, I'll talk about it here just because uh, we're not going to come back to that. You have Rockbridge, Brookville, um, LCA. I, it's just going to be a slew of teams there. I mean, you, if Rockbridge comes out of that region, they'll have earned it. So uh, that's what you got there for the Valley District. Yeah, I like Rockbridge in that region just because of the quarterback play they have. But yeah, 
I said they were going to win this I'm game. I thought it was going to be a blowout. So I'm impressed that TA kept it close. Um, and, and that's a growing team. That's that is a, team a growing team, better. and it's tough for TA. There's no easy way around, you know, five and one, and that's not good enough for a top four spot. That's hard, uh, yep. hard to hear and hard to believe. Uh, but that's tough for TA, and I think you know, this is this is what some teams were used to in the old system when it was four teams, and yep. even in a ten game season, you'd have eight and two teams left out, and that was that was hard. But, yep. um, oh yeah, I, I mean, I, for certain, it's tough, but. I think TA, it's just a question of can you build on this in the fall? I know they lose some key pieces, and that's going to be tough, but uh, it's it's a tough way for those seniors to go out losing by four points and that being the only game you lose all year, and it's not good enough to get you in the playoffs. And Rockbridge is the one seed, so they'll get to host throughout uh, until a state semifinal. I think they would go or No, state semifinal they would host, and state championship they would go on the road. If they were to something, get there, something like that. Uh, I just not I'm not keeping up with the three C as much, but a, I didn't pay attention a to the A's. A host B, C host D, and then C and D go to A and yeah. B. Two of the problems there was T A playing East Rock twice. Winless East Rock was two of yeah. T A's wins. As soon Can't as I started that. running PowerPoints and I saw that, I said, "Uh oh." I was Cody Elliott called me or you know messaged me after I did all the two B's like, "Uh yeah, you have anything on three? And I was like, "Uh, I'll, I'll try to fit it in." So like I stayed up late like doing it, just just trying to help Cody out, trying to help everybody, you know, let let people know what I got. And my numbers were rushed and and uh, <laughs> had a couple errors there, but anyway pretty close. But as soon as I saw that, I didn't have numbers run yet. I just saw two of their victories over winless East rock. I said, uh Oh, for TA, this is, this is a problem. Uh, so there it was. Well, the team so, we didn't mention, and uh, we don't really have any reason to, cause, but it is a Valley district team, I guess. Um, Harrisonburg got in yeah. and that's because they beat Broadway. So good for them. Yep. They suck it there. I think and even they're at a three seed, so they're not even, didn't even sneak in They're They're just in. All right, so upcoming, we keep talking about these uh, later games. Uh, let's talk about the plus ones first. Waynesboro sure. hosts Stanton, both one and five. This is who can gain the offseason momentum, who can have a little bit of bragging rights that, hey, we beat you. I don't know what else you're bragging to, but but who has just a little bit momentum? One of these one and five teams that Waynesboro's coming in probably with more momentum just because they – had been longer since that one win, mm-hmm. but who can go into the off season? Like, yeah, we finished the season on a win. We're going to get more mm-hmm. next season. I think either team has a chance to win this game, but I agree with you. I think Waynesboro, I've seen more out of them in these past weeks, who they stay tight with, who they beat is more impressive to me. Oh, I guess they both beat East Rock. Excuse me. That was the wrong statement. They both beat the same East Rock team. The way these games went, I'm more impressed with how Waynesboro season went. They beat East Brock by more. They hunt tough with playoff Harrisonburg. They hunt tough with TA a week ago. Um, I just, I just like that feel of what I'm seeing out of Waynesboro. And, and I think they do take down Stanton. It makes me sad for Stanton. I, you know, I want our local teams to win. These are two local teams playing. So I got to pick one. I'm going with Waynesboro. I think you're right. I, I think Waynesboro's win against East Rock was more impressive than Stanton's win against East Rock. I think Waynesboro's played better games start to finish than Stanton has this year. And so I just think Waynesboro is in a better place. And I think coach Jarvis has done a lot there. Not that, uh, coach Phillips at Stanton can't get them going, but it just seems like this team is, is really too young and needs more time in that system to fully develop. So hopefully, uh, in the off season, they'll be able to get more familiar with the system, get it running better in the fall and have that year of experience under their belt. 
and maybe be able to compete better next year. But I, I just like the way Waynesboro's played better. And if I'm picking one, I, I think Waynesboro's got this game. Another plus one game, Wilson. They're hosting William Byrd. They kind of had the caveat on that, unless either one makes the playoffs. Um, I didn't even my original run of of three C. I didn't even have Wilson in it. I didn't realize they even had a shot uh, of it. And and technically they did. They had a everybody <laughs> had to lose in front of them. But um, and TA needed everybody pretty much to lose too. But uh, yeah, Wilson doesn't get in at four and two. They're going to host William Byrd three and through three and three. Brad Lutz the uh, recently former coach at Broadway. He's the head coach down there at William Byrd. I'm sure that familiarity helped get this game together. So, you know, either way this game goes for Wilson, this is a positive season, but this could really be a nice little feather in the cap. You know, William Byrd is a solid program before Brad Lutz got their solid program. Brad Lutz hadn't heard it. Um, they missed the playoffs barely there too in 3d and uh, which is a tough region. Mm-hmm. And so, a win over a team like William Byrd at this point to go f- to go five and two would just be you just absolutely couldn't ask more for out of Wilson. So a big opportunity for Wilson to to really put a, a cherry on top on this season. But in the least, it's still going to be a four and three is not going to be something to shake your nose at for Wilson. I was going to say when I saw they got William Byrd as the plus one, uh, I was like, wow, because uh, that challenge. it is a challenge and it's a it's a school that you're not going to see too often because they're from Roanoke. Uh, Venton technically, but in that Roanoke area. And so it, it's a great way to get your team exposed to another team, another system. And as you said, it's a challenge. It's a good team. So you're going to get that experience and look, no, offense. Like a playoff game. I was gonna say no offense to the two playoff games in the area. This is the best game in the area, in my opinion, in terms of intrigue. I, I know what's going to happen in those playoff games. Uh, this game, yeah. I'm interested. Maybe William Bird does win. But I think it's going to be close, and I think Wilson's going to keep it close. And I, and look, I, if you asked me this last year, I'd say William Bird by a truckload. But I think Coach Bugjan has done a lot there, and I think seeing this team get to four and two, the way they've won the four games too, it, it's just been really impressive. So I think if Wilson can keep that running attack going, it's going to be harder against a team like William Bird that plays pretty solidly themselves, but. It's gonna. I'm. It's almost more important for me that Wilson slows William Byrd down on the offensive side. When Wilson has done great defensively, dynamite. When they've struggled and they've played two other, you know, playoff teams, Riverhead, Stewart's Draft, defense wasn't there. Now, in their defense, by far the two best teams they played all year. Yeah, and and William yeah, Byrd gab a playoff team. Yeah, and they I, played it with good defense and scoring points. Right. Uh, Good combination. Uh, oh, that's true. Buffalo Gap's a playoff team, too. Um, I keep forgetting. I, three and three. And, and that's my <laughs> fault. No offense to Buffalo Gap. But three and three, I was like, ah, you're out. Um, but uh, William Bird is is going to be a tough test for them. But, I, I, again, I think of the four games in the area, this is the best one in terms of uh, intrigue. Yeah. Single week intrigue. I, I, I don't argue with you. The other ones are playing to keep going. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not we, saying there's, we, we it has the most, yeah, it doesn't have the yeah. most on the line, but it's the best game. Sure. So Riverheads, they host Alta Vista. Alta Vista comes in two and four. This isn't, you know, Juan Thornhill. They've played a lot of, they've played a lot of good teams. <laughs> they play a lot of good teams and they lost to four of them. Um, actually they, they played a lot of teams twice this year. So they lost to Appomattox twice. Uh, but our Riverheads has won this game the last four times they've played by an average of 50 to five, uh, the last time they played was 63 to 14 on a 
the weekend of that ice storm right before Thanksgiving a couple years ago, and Riverhead's going to play over in Crozet. Altavista's going to run four four wide, two to the right, two to the left, but they're going to run it a lot with their quarterback, Jalen Jones and Markel Dawkins. All right, that's the talk of this game. Riverhead's going to dominate this thing. So let's look ahead at the Riverheads, what they have here. In the region, they get through this game as predicted. They'll have the winner of Central Ludenberg, William Campbell. Neither of those teams scare Joe or I too much at all. Uh, Riverheads has history with both Central Ludenberg. They played not too long ago. They played some of basketball, but also on the 2000 run uh, for the region championship, Riverheads beat this uh, Central Ludenberg team. Uh, it was in the region playoffs. Uh, I think it was the region championship. I think that's the one that sent us to the state semis, but uh, that was a field goal to win it kind of game. And that was like the, the deepest Riverheads had ever been in the playoffs. William Campbell, there has been the battles. We'll talk about those potential matchups next week, but interesting on paper matchups either way, but not for this season. I think Riverheads runs through this region. Speak up if you argue with me. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about this. I mean, Riverheads, state, I've, they're in the state championship game. It's state semis, just to get people aware of the potential teams that Riverheads could face. Keenan Queen Central is the number one team in Region A. They're 5-0. and West Point's the number two team at 3-2. and Riverheads doesn't have any history with those. Riverheads would have to travel to to one of those schools or one of the, or the three or four school. Whoever wins that region, Riverheads has to travel there. None of those scare you or I either. I was going to say, so, if all the Kings put the Queens on the throne, when they play Riverheads, they're still getting owned. So, I mean, it does not matter. Top dogs then for the Region C or D, that would be a potential state championship matchup for Riverheads if they're able to make it that far, as we predict. Galax, familiar name. They mm-hmm. faced last year in the state championship. They're 6-0 and and again. Then you got another team out of Region C who is also undefeated at 6-0, and Narrows. They have yet to give up a point this season. That's exciting. Very impressive, <laughs> very exciting. I don't care what district you are in, where you go. If you don't give up points for an entire season, very good. That's why we were commending draft all year for only giving up seven. And now only still have only given up 14. I will say Narrows plays in the Pioneer District. Or, uh, excuse me, 17. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 17. That's math. Uh, Narrows, I will say, plays in the Pioneer District. I don't find the Pioneer District the, the toughest of the uh, of this Class 1 districts. Uh, you got Perry McClure in the playoffs down there, too, but... That is zero points given up to not the greatest of teams. So we will see what we get when we get there. The top dogs in Region D, Holston, if I say that right, you can Mm -hmm. correct me. Patrick Henry out of Glade Springs there. They run a very similar offense as Riverheads. And then J.I. Burton, which Riverheads does have some experience with. So those are kind of the teams to watch these next couple weeks. Riverheads is probably going to play one of those teams we just said in the state championship if they're able to go as scheduled. They're going to play Galax, maybe Narrows. But probably okay. Galax. I would. I. That's why I have them bolded on our sheet here. That's yeah. Thing too. So uh, that'll be interesting if we can get there. It'd be interesting that Riverheads gets to host. Moving on to Stewart's Draft. I don't look at Stewart's Draft that much different. I think Stewart's Draft sails through this region. They get mm-hmm. the Straws Page County winner, Strasburg Page uh, Page County winner. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about either one of those teams against Stewart's Draft. Nope. That defense so tough. Neither of those teams are going to score much. And I think Stewart Straff's offense will get back going quickly against Buffalo Gap this week, and I don't think it'll have a problem next week against Strasburg uh, or Page. Correct. I think Page can win that. Page can win that game. I'm not. I'm not saying they can't. So either one of them. State semi, they would have to travel to a Region A team. You have number one seed Nottaway. 
The team that stuck out to me when these brackets were released was the number two team. You've already talked about this. Keen William, 4-0, the number two team in Region A. They're out. They have a positive COVID test on their team. Everybody's quarantined. No one's playing. You're out. Amelia already moves on the three seed. They're going to sit there and wait for the region championship, and uh, they'll see who they get, Nottaway or Pocosin. Pocosin, I don't think, is strong, as strong this year. Looking at the message boards, I haven't seen them, but just looking at the boards, I don't think they're as strong this year. So I'm kind of looking at Nottaway. I think yep. if it's Nottaway, that is the biggest challenge, or, you know, is the best team that Stewart's draft could face there. Um, I don't know how much better than Nottaway is than they were in 2016. Uh, you know, that's four years ago. It's hard to tell. Stewart's draft beat Nottaway 49 to 16 that year in the playoffs. So there is some history there. I think Keen William would have been, it just would have made this more interesting. I think draft is on their way to the state championship game as well. Yeah, uh, they're going to play Nottaway, and they're not going to play Amelia, and they're not playing Pocosin. Um, so it'll be a battle of Cougars in that state semifinal. And then I I think they beat Nottaway, and I think yep. we don't even need to go through Region D or the rest of Region no, C I didn't. I because didn't it's, it's Appomattox. <laughs> That's who you're going to play in the state championship. That's who's going to be there on the other side. I'm not saying there's not names in Region D that we all recognize. Like I mean, Bradford. there are other teams. Yeah, they'll play there's playoff not, games, but Appomattox will destroy whoever comes out of Region D, just like they'll beat the P out of whoever the other teams in Region C that they have to play are. They got that quarterback back. I, I saw a little bit of video of him. Uh, he can still move. <laughs> that's fine. He can still move. Just tackle him. <laughs> so I, I really, I mean, this sounds braggy or, you know, we just think a lot of our teams and we think all of our teams are going to the state championship. I really do think we're going to have well, two state championships hosted in Augusta County. Not all of them, but yeah, two of them. Well, yeah. Only two can go past this week. <laughs> so, that's true. Well, but if we think those two are going to keep on going. Yeah. Yes. I think it will be drafting rubber heads and I'll stop there. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Buffalo Gap. Hey, all those teams we just said, that's who you got to watch out for. If you upset Stewart's draft this week, that's the teams you got to watch out for. If that happens, we will spend a long time next week breaking down the potential matchups and what that means. I don't think we'll be talking about that next. We'll be talking a lot more about Strasburg and we'll be talking a lot more about the region A teams then. (laughs) Because <laughs> I think I, I mean I'm sorry, Gap. You 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 did hold Stuart Straft three to nothing in the first half last time. Straft was doing crazy things with their offense and trying this out and trying that out because they they knew they could score on you. Once they settled down and played football, they scored 27 unanswered in the second half. I, you're going to see that second half offense more. That's what yeah, you're going to see. Straft is on a scorched earth tour. They're pissed they lost last week, and they should be. They had, they played a good enough game to win last week. So they should be mad that they're not an undefeated team, the best team in Augusta County, well, and, and they're going to go prove that they're the best team in Class 2. And now Coach Floyd is going to say... County, they're going to be the best team in Class 2. Yeah, and Coach Floyd's going to say, hey, if we take care of business, you know who we get to play? That team that beat us in the state Beating championship. We get year. a chance to take them out. And that, I'm sure those kids... I'm sure yeah. those kids want that. And I got news for them. If they do, they will have beaten a team better than who Riverheads is going to play in the Class 1 championship. Appomattox is, I got to look at the class three, maybe not better than the class three teams this year because class three has some loaded talent there this year. But Appomattox is, again, just like Stewart's draft, they brought a lot back from that team. They were a young team too. So um, I think you and I have been impressed with how how much Stewart's draft's defense has improved because we thought it might take a little bit of a step back with some some of what they lost, but they've taken a step forward. And I think that's credit to Coach Floyd and those kids. And I, I think they're going to 
we've already touched on it. They're going to cruise through their part of the bracket. Appomattox will cruise through their part of the bracket. We're going to get a rematch of last year. And we might get the same thing in class one. I don't know. Nero's, I'm interested to see if Nero's can put up a challenge with Galax. Holston, Patrick Henry, and J.I. Burton, no. thanks for playing. No. I, yep. You have no. 0% chance. Just I like King and Queens and West Point and Central Lunenburg and William Campbell. And the, and the the chattering around the state won't be terrible if Appomattox has to come to draft and Galax or Narrows has to come to Greenville because that's not those far southwest Virginia teams having to travel across the state. It's just it's just another hour than you would have done if you were going to Salem. So everybody everybody won't be hollering about how unfair it is. That'll be nice. Um, one thing I want to acknowledge that we are aware, Coach, uh, the coach at Appomattox, he is under, has health issues and he has cancer and the team's playing for them. And so our dismissing of any other team that Stewart's playing this year has nothing to do with that. Uh, Appomattox playing for their coach is great. Uh, and, and that's great. And they have a good staff there that's kept them going too. So um, if at any point we say, <laughs> yeah, Stewart's draft's going to just, you know, sail to the playoffs, play Appomattox. Um, even if we say they're beating, it has nothing, you know, obviously we know the sensitivity of what they're going through down there at Appomattox and I commend them for playing through that. That's, that, that's gotta be a tough thing yeah. when your leader has, as is out with that. And, uh, so, and, and, you know, our thoughts are with, with him and their program and everything and wish them the best until they play Stewart's draft. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I, I can have sympathy, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm going to root for them to beat Stewart's draft. Yeah. yeah. Yankee fans aren't rooting for Trey Mancini to hit a home run every time he plays the Yankees this weekend. That's very true. So. Uh, it's good. Again, seeing Kaelin William go out in the playoffs without having played a game is a reminder that everybody needs to be thankful that we are playing football, period. And whatever rules surround these games, whoever can get in and see what, just be happy that these boys get to play football. Yeah, maybe uh, spend a little less time griping about whatever minor inconvenience you have to deal with and just be happy that they're playing. 100 less tickets. Okay. All right, so the girls are also getting to play. They're playing volleyball right now. Fort Defiance and Riverhead showdown last week that we were hyping up, and I was worried about it because Riverhead's got swept last time they played Fort early in the season. <laughs> Riverhead showed up and pushed Fort to five games, and it was a long battle of a match um, where no, you know, no team went on super runs or anything. So Riverhead's kind of showed, hey, they can play with Fort, but. Fort does get the win. They stay undefeated in the district. Their two losses remain only to Rockbridge, the top team in Class 3C. So that was really the highlight of last week's volleyball um, there. You know, Riverhead's a cement at the at the second-best team in the district this year. After, But next week is region playoffs. There's no Shenandoah district playoff or anything. Mm-hmm. We get some good, solid little matchups this week. Uh, but then we're going to the regions, and Riverhead's will go to 1B. Uh, Fort Defiance is going to Class 3C, and then – uh, they'll be there with Wilson and then Stanton draft and gap will be in two B. The thing that's the newsworthy thing here is Wilson on their schedule shows these games canceled this week. Wilson at Stanton and Fort at Wilson, which is a nice little robbery. Both of those canceled. Um, I think probably by the time this airs, I think it'll be out there that Wilson is having uh, COVID uh, issues. It so was, it should, was tweeted by Patrick Kite, so it's out there. Oh, anyway, he did end up tweeting. Out. Okay, well, I talked to Patrick Kite before he tweeted it, and I didn't want to spill beans. And this isn't posted until Tuesday night, so it's out there. Um, so yeah, Wilson having COVID issues. A very local reminder that we should be happy that these kids are getting out to play. These girls are getting to play volleyball. Um, all these kids are getting out to play sports. So um, it stinks to hear, and I would say that's going to kill Wilson's season. I, I don't think you're just off one week 
uh, with this. So uh, we'll see what that means for region playoffs next week. But I, I assume we'll see official word of that early in the week, if not the end of this week. Yeah. Um, I, I think right now with volleyball, it's all about just getting to the region playoffs right now. One to be healthy, because like we saw with King William, you don't want that for Wilson. You don't want that for any team. So right now, I'm sure the focus is get through the rest of this regular season without any problems and just get to that region tournament. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Before we get out of the A block here, college football, the only thing to say is JMU's game last week canceled because Richmond's having issues with COVID. And next week's game against Elon is canceled because Elon's having issues with COVID. JMU is frantically searching for a football game to play either this Saturday. And yes, it's already Tuesday as you're listening to this. And that hasn't been officially announced by time we record this or they're looking to play the next week. They, they need to find another game from what we have understand they got to have five games, right? I I saw TJ Eck tweet something about, you know, potential opponent. And because somebody in the North had to cancel their game, New Hampshire, but it was my understanding. And look, the CAA may pull a big 10 and change the rules because JMU is the number one team. And, if they don't make the playoffs, that's bad for the CAA. So They're the Ohio State of the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah so the, I <laughs> look. Yeah, I'm not saying it's out of the possibility that the CAA changes the rules, but at the beginning of the season, it was said you can play teams outside your division, but they won't count as conference games. And right now, that's the part that would keep JMU out of the playoffs is they wouldn't have played enough conference games. So I don't know. Um, maybe the CAA changes the rules, and JMU can still be the CAA champion, and go into the playoff as the I, automatic I bid the rules will change that would be my guess too but yeah, yeah. i don't know maybe so, JMU. maybe we just call it what it is and say you know we're just glad to be paying playing during a pandemic we understand everyone's concern with the pandemic and not try to make it this thing of you know oh they just don't want to play because they're scared well maybe you know there's a pandemic and now you're suffering the consequences which is kind of ironic if you're happen to be in a leadership position at that football program We will leave that there. Uh, Let's talk about the tournament, but let's do that in the B block. The NCAA tournament has ended, and Baylor is the champion. And in our bracket group for the Yak Sports, Will Cash won. Waynesboro alum, I believe he's at Liberty now, per his Twitter. Um, And we've been in contact with him, so we will get him on the podcast shortly. So we look forward to that. Uh, we've heard Will's voice before. Most of y'all haven't, uh, unless there was a, a bad mess up on the radio broadcasts. Uh, but he's helped out <laughs> at the station before, and so we look forward to having him on. Uh, Jeff Wright, last year's winner, he finished second. So uh, next year, I'm just going to try to k- copy Jeff Wright's bracket somehow because I just I want to win a bracket at he some had point in my life. Three out of the four final four. Yeah. Did a, he did a great job. So anyway, we'll be on. We'll talk about that. But let's talk about what happened in this tournament, or at least like this final four right here. Let's start with Saturday. <sighs> Betting has ruined it for me. Saturday, See, I don't know I, why you let it bother you so much. Saturday, because it's money and I'm cheap. Saturday, Gonzaga, you know, they and they do so good on DraftKings, on the, on the app I'm using where they throw out these bonuses or or increase the odds on what's already good. So the one Saturday, I mean, the one Monday was even better, but the one Saturday was, I mean, if, if Gonzaga wins by 10 over number 11, UCLA, uh, like you get more money. Like it was just like, please bet this they'll win by 10. So I took it. 
So now I sit there the entire game during an excellent college basketball game that everybody enjoyed. Everybody spent all Monday talking about how great that game was. I didn't enjoy it because at no point did it look like Gonzaga was going to win that game by 10. UCLA was right there the whole way. It was back and forth game, always within five points. It never looked like Gonzaga was running away. I'm rooting for overtime just so it gives Gonzaga time to maybe run away then, which no, of course they didn't. They got up by, I think, six. UCLA played a heck of a game, forced Gonzaga to the limit there, and uh, I absolutely forgot the kid's name, uh, and I think it's a familiar name. I think we've had a local Suggs. Word, you know, Suggs. Uh, I think Appomattox had a kid by the same name. Uh, he uh, he hits the game winner, and it was an awesome moment, and I'm sitting there just mad that it wasn't a 10-point victory, <laughs> but it was a heck of a basketball game. Heck of a basketball game that $10 of mine just sailed out the window with. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I had the right team winning. I just bid on that plus 10. Yeah, I just think, you know, um, if you had asked me what I thought before you played that, I would have said, don't do that. UCLA has played really, really well, and they're really, really physical. Um, and I've just seen these teams get to the final four, like these double digit teams get to the final four and fizzle pretty hard on Saturday nights. Like we've seen that not every time, but like we have seen that. And I thought maybe UCLA is due for that. Gonzaga is really good. I've been really impressed with that. I took it. I mean, they knew what they're doing on that bet nap. They took my money. Yeah. Uh, Mick Cronin's a great coach. UCLA yes, was is. a great team. Uh, I think UCLA had a COVID problem earlier in the year. And I think that's part of the reason they struggled at one point and got to be an 11 seed and weren't a higher seated team um but yeah they had top four talent i mean they had really good good players they were good and um gonzaga did it i mean it was a great shot i enjoyed it even when i'm losing money that wouldn't have ruined it for me i mean it would have been fine Uh, part of me would have been like well that's annoying but then another part of me would have been like yeah but it was so cool it's fine i've i've lost bets and been okay just with the outcome of the game being what it was um like I said, Leland, you just have to assume when you put that money in there, it's money you're never going to see again. If you go in with that attitude, it's all good. I, I don't operate. I'm, I got to be done with this. I got to stop. I'm just trying to win my money back at this point. And not that I've lost that much. Like, people don't worry about how much the kids are they'll still wear shoes. Don't worry. We're, we're in fine. College, I don't need though. to go fund it's me to, to take care of my issues here. It's done. But Better get yeah, scholarships, One less kids. trip to McDonald's for ice cream is going to happen. You know, we ain't getting 99-cent codes next week. McCray kids. <laughs> Better uh, better work on those scholarship applications now, McGray kids. Hey, Finley, Finley's the only one that gets to go. She won the crawling competition at JMU. She's the only one that gets to go. She's already won her scholarship money. Yeah. So because Baylor slammed Houston on Saturday night, not even a game worth talking about, Baylor and Gonzaga play Monday night. So now well, what's the betting line here? Oh, Gonzaga favored by four and a half. Okay. Oh, but here's a bonus. We'll yeah. flip that. Mm-hmm. We'll give you four and a half points we got for Gonzaga here. We, you know, we'll make Baylor the favorite. You just take Gonzaga there, and you can double your money right there. It's like, well, shoot. You're going to give me four and a half points and take the team that I think is going to win this game? Heck yeah. I took it. I put my money in. I made the Did... biggest bet that I've made yet. Oh, no. Just trying to win back the money I lost the first weekend. Oh, no. I was like, all right, I'll come back to even. It'll be fine. And again, we're not talking big dollars here. <laughs> From the tip. UCLA or excuse me, Baylor. Baylor looked like the better team. Baylor just looked dominant. I, I'm not saying Gonzaga looked poor, but just Baylor looked fresh, ready to go. Knew looked like they knew what Gonzaga was going to do, and they just outplayed them from tip to finish. And it was never, never a chance that I was going to win that bet either. So, 
see, it's interesting you did that because I did. I did that. And then I also did Baylor plus four and a half because I thought that game was going to go down to the wire. So I was like, this is a chance to double dip. I could win two bets as long as this game isn't decided by five points or more. And then when that game started and Baylor like went on an 11-0 run to start the game, I, I immediately just went, I, I texted you. I was like, well, this is not going well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this uh, that game got out of hand quick. But I, I'm like you. I know the popular thing on Twitter was to be like, this just proves Gonzaga can't do it. You know, they don't oh, play no, enough no, good no, teams. No, 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 no. Gonzaga played a loaded regular season and yes, curb stomped yes. everyone in their path. What happened Gonzaga's was... blue blood now. That's not... I mean, they are yeah, what happened blood. was Baylor is a legitimately good team. I said midway through the year, I thought Baylor was the best team in the country. And then we got to the tournament, and I was like, ah, maybe it's Gonzaga. But Baylor proved they are the best team in the country because they went in, they run, ran through that gauntlet of the Big 12 most of the year. They had a little COVID problem there toward the end, got a little shaky at the end. But then in the tournament, they got it corrected, and they cruised through most of those games and they just proved they're a really, really yeah. good basketball team. Wisconsin, Villanova, Arkansas wins. I mean, whew. Houston. Houston. Yeah. Although Houston, I think, is, I mean, other than their first-round game, maybe the easiest game they played. I, I don't know what it is, and maybe this is me just disrespecting Houston. I did not. Like, for the life of me, I was like, how are they the two-seed? They got through that region because Loyola just didn't play well, and they lost their game against Oregon State, which still frustrates <laughs> me. But... I, I just uh, they took on Syracuse's uh you know zone defense. Well, that was though, annoying was, too. I, in a tournament game, like they came in and took care of that. Like I, I'll give them credit there. I I did think Gonzago stuck with the zone a little too long when it was very painfully not working. It was painfully obvious the way Baylor was shooting the ball that that wasn't going to be a correct work. answer. Yeah. Um, I I did just laugh, and I was talking to a friend while I was watching the game, and I we both just couldn't help but laugh at halftime. They're like, "Man, as bad as Gonzaga's played, they're only down ten. And I'm like, "Yeah, you're down ten to a really good basketball team, though. Like, you're not playing, you know, some scrub basketball team here. You're playing a another team in the championship." Yeah, I. Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I don't really have. It. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They weren't scrubs. Gonzaga was outmatched uh, just in that game. I think it it did probably take some energy out that game the other night, but it it doesn't matter. Ba- yeah. Baylor won it. Baylor proved they're the best team. I I appreciated. We don't get that in the tournament that often where we get the best two teams from all season in that championship game because the the tournament proves who's the best team in March. It doesn't prove who's the best team over the entire college basketball season. It does set up to where the team that is the best the whole season has the the easiest route and, and it, it plays an advantage, but you get the best team out of March and the best team that can go on around. We saw UConn do that. Not that long ago, making a run through a big East tournament and then through a NCAA tournament. Like you don't always just get who was good all season. Cause you know, we'd end up with Kansas and Duke all the time winning it. If, 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 if it wasn't for this six game tournament, that's gotta be played. But this time we did. And I, I'm glad we got that matchup. I wish it was a better game to, you know, to cap off as many good games we saw in this tournament, but it's fine. Uh, Baylor, Baylor earned it. They deserve it. Good job there. You know what? I've thrown a lot of shade at how Baylor athletics are ran. There has been a lot of reason to throw sh- serious shade at Baylor about how athletics are ran. And the other word you almost Who, said, whoever is there making decisions now, hiring these coaches 
because we know their athletic director is not there anymore because he's somewhere else in state making decisions there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they're doing a good state. job there. Yeah, they're hiring hiring really good hiring really good coaches. They're doing a good job. I thought the AD was at Liberty. I thought that's what. what yeah, I he's in our at. state. Yeah. He's in our state. I thought you said App State. That's why I was confused. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, whoever's making decisions there, doing a good job. Uh, their football team has has been competitive since that. You know, they rebounded mm-hmm. quickly enough, and then now their basketball team is a national champion. And you can't you can't ask for anything more there. Um, I, what I would say is I don't think the hiring was ever the problem at. Sure, but you had Baylor. to get rid of like everybody got like these programs yeah. that ever make changes and like so let's before we give them a ton job. of credit, let's just make sure that this culture that was created there is still not going on. But yeah, we haven't heard so. it, so I hope you're right. Now, here's a fun I would fact. I think the microscope is on them. Here's a fun fact. Well, you'd say that, but again, multiple sports there had multiple problems over a long period of time. Um here's a fun fact though. That was the preseason number one and preseason number two team in the championship game as well. Ooh, that's the last time that happened. Well, the last six times it's happened now, because Baylor won last night, the number two team has won. Oh, wow. Something Which would have been helpful for is. you and for me <laughs> to have known. Now, because I tried to double dip, I only took a minor hit. I think I lost like a dollar. Uh, but yeah. So see, you should have hedged your bet. But I'm, I maximized my bet trying to win money, money back there. Yeah. One less trip to Applebee's, you know? So the other <laughs> NCAA basketball news I wanted to talk about, I can't remember the last time I was actually at Applebee's. Um, Roy Williams retired. And uh, they already hired Hubert Davis to replace him. I think that's a great hire. If you're going to hire a UNC guy, I think it's a good hire. He's been on the bench for the last few years. I don't think he was bad on TV, so I I, I like him. Um as much as I'll like any UNC coach because I want them to lose every game they play. I was really lobbying for Tony Bennett to get pulled away from UVA to there. Cause I can, I can handle UNC being good. I can handle, I expect UNC is going to be good with whoever they get. I just expect that maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I expect. So if they could make UVA worse in the process, I was going to be okay with that. But yeah, that didn't seem to carry much smoke and Hubie Davis. They're uh, going to be the head coach. I like it. It's a good hire. I think. Them, I think, I think it's a good hire too. I think it's yeah. a, Good job for QB Davis. I think it's a great hire by UNC. And I think it's going to be uh, a great way to keep that recruiting pipeline going. That's a great job to get. And um, he was already there. Like, I mean, he, you're not going to lose recruits from this. That's no, so, you're I, not going to lose recruits. Better. And it might be a way to keep some recruits. It sounded like they were mad before Roy announced he was retiring. Or I guess not recruits necessarily, but players on the team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, I do think... It's going to be tough because there's a lot of pressure there still. It's North Carolina. You're not, ACC isn't good enough. The ceiling is the roof. Yeah. Yeah, It's, you know, (laughs) final fours, national titles. So uh, it's going to be tough. But I I think it's great that he got that opportunity. And I'm not nervous. He knows what he's getting into. Yeah. I wouldn't be too nervous that it's a first head coaching job for him. I mean, he's been in that program. He knows what it takes. I think it's a great hire for North Carolina. And I'm interested to see what Hubert Davis can do year one in the ACC because he's he's coming up against some good teams. And, and look what these other former players, you know, Juwan Howard at mm-hmm. uh, at Michigan. You got Patrick Ewan at, at Georgetown. You have others that are out there that I'm blowing past. They're having some success. So I think there's a little trend to that right now. I think a lot of these young players, hey, I can see video of you playing in the NBA. That's interest. You know, that interests me. That, that makes me want to 
play for you because you can get me there. I think you're going to pull in good players. And I think that puts North Carolina right in that category. I think that's a good call. So I think it wakes up the state of North Carolina, though, looking down the road there, uh, down to Durham and seeing, well, the clock's ticking on Coach K here. What What's going to happen there? I think that's just a little reminder. That I've, I've heard that comment a lot in conversations I've had since uh, Coach Roy Williams retired. But um, do we need to, do we need to hit on this topic anymore? Or can I move to a different coach? I was going to say, talking about Roy Williams, just what he's done uh, at yes. not only at North Carolina but Kansas. It was a great, oh yeah, great career for him. Um, and it, it's you know another legend gone. Obviously, the next one that comes to mind would be Coach K because he's going to be getting yep. close to that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the, that's that is a big reminder. I, I have rooted against Roy Williams in his entire coaching career. I've never rooted for Kansas. I'd never root for UNC. Um, I've always rooted against Roy Williams, and he he has made me mad so many times. He's he's a nice guy. That's the that's the hard part about rooting against his teams is that mm-hmm. it's not like he is some you know maniac on the sideline. He's not you know Narduzzi or something a bit where you can root against that guy so easily or you know he doesn't have a lot of attitude. It's my problem with Tony Bennett. He seems like a really nice guy. Man, I want him to lose, and it, it just doesn't happen that often. So uh, I had nothing but respect to Coach Roy Williams. You know, as much as I've rooted against him, that's a that's a yes sir kind of person you're meeting. You know, that's 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 a legend in that sport at a school that has been blessed to have you know two major legends there. So that's uh, he'll, he'll have his name involved. I guess is his name already on something there? I know it's Dean Smith Center. Is it? Is the court after the, him? I don't or? think it's the Roy Williams court. I don't think so. I might be wrong. I It'll be on something there. I mean, yeah. his name will be on something. Uh, whether well, he's, he's accomplished a lot there. So I, I yes, think put banners in the up in the up in there. So yeah, now that you mentioned, I probably rooted for him more at North Carolina than I did at Kansas. I don't know why. I I don't know what it is. I just don't like Kansas. I like the entire state. Yeah. I've never been, I so I don't have a reason to not like the state of Kansas. But I just don't think I would like it. Yeah, I mean Missouri is a lot better. Yeah, Missouri shows me what they've got. Kansas is just, you know, <laughs> corn. Uh, Where are the they? other the coach state? Moves I don't know. The flyover <laughs> state. The other coach in moves, Shaka Smart, we already talked about a week ago, but going in his place, Chris Beard goes from Texas Tech. I I heard two different people on radio shows right after the Texas job came open that said Chris Beard ain't going anywhere. Texas Tech's paying him. He's got everything he wants there. He's really building something. He was just in the national championship a couple years ago. He won't need that pressure at Texas. He's gone. I mean, he was gone a day later from from me hearing that. I think it's interesting for us because we care so much what, what Mac McClellan's doing. He just transferred down there to play with Chris Beard. Now they are, they did promote their assistant coach. So you wonder if those connections will keep, keep uh, Mac McClellan happy in there and, and keep success happening there. I, you know, I'm it's possible, but Chris Beard goes to Texas. So it takes on that job. Um, that's interesting. I, I don't have much more than that, that I just, the Mac McClellan connection. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a good move for him. I don't, I, I kind of have that same feeling. I just, I kind of, I thought it would be good if he stayed. I talked to, yeah. It, and you know, maybe we'll get John on here one week soon. Cause I know he disagreed with me on it when we talked about it. Uh, recently but I just there's something at Texas they've got all the money in the world and they just never win and I don't know how that is I don't know how that is because with all that money you should be able to recruit you should be able to just you have better facilities you should be able to fly anywhere you want get anyone you want you're in a hotbed for high school athletics and you are maybe in football, 
TCU is arguably as good as you right now. Texas A&M is better than you. Baylor is better than you. Um, basketball, Texas Tech is better than you. Texas I mean, Tech is that... better than you in basketball. Yeah, Baylor's better than you at Texas basketball. A&M, Texas A&M, A&M is bad in basketball. Get better, but you'd think like, yeah, like, but they're bad. Buzz Williams has turned Marquette up. He turned Virginia Tech up. He's he's just gotten there. You you could think you could imagine success at Texas A&M. You still like, probably got a few more years before you have to worry about them though. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, and you lost to an in-state school though in the tournament. Yeah. And Abilene Christian, which is not good. Um, no. Not that Abilene Christian is better than Texas, but... No, they're not, but... It's... Yeah, I don't know. If I was Chris Houston. Beard... If I'm Chris Beard, I'm like, yeah, hey, I came in post the Bobby Knight era and took my team to a national title. Bobby Knight never did that. Yeah. Like, I'm beloved here. Hey, let me go to yeah. Texas, where this coach that was doing really, really good got fired because he didn't go to the Sweet 16 three years in a row. And now he's coaching yeah. at Tennessee. And now Shaka Smart's at Marquette or whatever, but that's going to, we'll see what happens there. I don't know. That might be both teams tanking on the wrong side of that contract. But I, I just, I thought it was interesting that Chris Beard left. Um, it's, it's kind of my argument with you why Dabo shouldn't leave Clemson when, if Nick Saban retires and that job at Alabama becomes open. Because right now, Dabo Sweeney is God at Clemson and it doesn't matter what you've done Texas people don't care what Chris Beard did at Texas Tech they want him to do that at Texas just like Alabama people won't care that Dabo Sweeney won all those national titles and got to the national championship game all those times when he was at Clemson if he didn't start doing it right out the gate at Alabama that they're gonna get mad so I don't know sometimes you jump ship because money and Oh, the prestige or whatever. Sometimes it's better just to be where you are and where you're loved. I don't know. Yeah. I think these guys that already operate on top look at it like a new challenge and also putting your name up there. Like, I think Dabo Sweeney wants to put, you know, beside Bear Bryant, beside Nick Saban, he wants to be that next statue at the place that he went to college. I, like, I think that could be his mindset for a guy that's – you can't do more at Clemson than what you've done. So, like, I just Good. I just wonder if him looking at the, that being his next challenge – rather than trying to go to the NFL and not work it. Like, he he, ain't, he wouldn't work in the NFL. Like, I just I just wonder. You know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just owns Clemson for the next 20 years. Yeah, but see, I think I would just be happy where I'm having I'd success and I'm I'm loved and... You're winning national championships, so you can't... I was going to say, blank. if Dabo Sweeney has two years where he doesn't make the college football playoff and Clemson doesn't win the ACC, is are people going to be like, fire Dabo? No. They're going to be like, well, I mean, some people will, but those people are idiots. Most people will be like, Dabo built this so he can stay as long as he wants. I mean, right now he is basically, he's basically the Frank, well, he's more than the Frank Beamer because Frank Beamer only got us to one and he didn't win. But Dabo has won multiple national titles there. He is already what Nick Saban is at Alabama at Clemson. So to go to Alabama, you're, you're putting all that at risk. And if it doesn't work out, if he doesn't win a national title within four years at Alabama, he's out. He's done. Yeah, you make a good point. The last coach I want to talk about, I completely missed this news. I did not see that Loyola's coach left mm-hmm. uh, Porter Moser. He went to Oklahoma. So I, I, they, everybody kind of talked when, when it was still the same coach at Loyola. You know, people only paid attention to Loyola twice in the last three years. Uh Here's the same coach that was there last time. Oh, wow, he didn't cash in last time? Like, he didn't go to a bigger place? Wow. Well, now he has. He went goes to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, traditionally good, solid basketball program. 
So uh, opportunity for him there. But yeah, Loyola, you know, your Loyola, Chicago loses their head coach. It's going to be tough. You probably should just hire uh, Sister Jean. I don't know who they're going to hire, but I don't think that's a long term solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably not um i don't know what loyal is gonna do i mean it's not like here's the thing right we're talking about all these places that you know they've had recent success and that makes them a desirable job that is not a desirable job no. it's just not like the missouri valley no one that is going to be a pinnacle coach is going to be like man i cannot wait to get in and win the missouri valley conference it's just you're not in a big 10 city and and you yeah. have northwestern you have you're Illinois, recruiting against the big Mark 10 the road, yeah and not in the big 10 but still another major conference yeah you just have your your best kids in the city you're their fourth or fifth choice at best yeah so i don't blame peter moser for taking the oklahoma job it's a good job yeah big Big, big check. This isn't the Chris Beard situation for me. Like, this is an actual, no, like, genuine step up. I'm surprised he didn't go step years up. Ago. Yeah, this is a genuine step up. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe maybe he waited because he knew he could do this again in the Missouri Valley, and he could wait on that big-time job offer. Maybe that's what he was waiting on. He got it. Yeah, because it. this is a bigger job than he probably would have gotten three years ago. Three years ago, he's probably making a half this kind of step. He's not mm-hmm. going to a major big 10 or you Two know big ago. major conference mm-hmm. who with that is traditionally good you know mm-hmm. like Oklahoma is like mm-hmm. they're traditionally good you don't get that job after one run but after two runs with lesser lesser talent as people perceive it you get that offer so that's all the coaching changes I want to talk about unless I'm forgetting one or I just didn't see it because I didn't see that one until three days after it happened but all right let's get out of here let's go to the D block D-Block time here on the Yak Sports Podcast. Again, I'm Leo McRae, Joe Deck with me. I'll start this off with what's dominating my life. I'm just glad the warm weather's here. That's, that's as, as simple as I can be. I'm just happy with what all comes with the warm weather, being outside more, playing outside with the kids, wearing shorts. That's a priority in my life. That's a that's a important thing to me. I believe in shorts. I'm just glad it's warm weather. I just, I'm so sick of the cold. Those last, those two cold days, that Thursday, Friday was just mean. I didn't like it. I think this is about as simple a man as I can be. I'm just glad it's warm. So I'm going to take it. I came in from outside to record this podcast because it's just super nice outside. Windows are open in the house. And most of all, most importantly, baseball's back. Baseball is just the best. You just you everybody loves baseball when at opening day because everybody has a chance. Everybody thinks they have a chance. Most teams don't, but you think you have a chance, and you just get in that first win or that first opening series, and maybe you sweep a team that you know has some history. You think more of yourself than you than you should. It's nice. It fades, but it's nice. But baseball season's great, and uh, you know I didn't watch much on opening day. I was just super busy on Thursday, but I've made up for it since I've watched at least I've had a full game on in front of me every day since yeah uh so i'll pick up there um baseball is what is dominating my life and it's been great and sometimes you get really excited for opening day and there's a cloud in the sky and then they have to move the game because that cloud might have precipitation in it and you play and that team plays in a old dirty landfill and it can't handle any rain so you have to move it and move it a day and then 
The good news is the sun's out for the other three days and your team gets to beat the bejesus out of another team that you were better than last year, but experts said had a 47% chance of making the playoffs this year because they were magically going to get better with the name that's written on the jersey. And it turns out the Boston Red Sox... they spent money on their their team. No, they didn't. They shredded money. They didn't spend any money on that team this year. They hemorrhaged money. They dumped players. That team's bad. It turns out the Boston Red Sox can change that O to a U this year because they Red Sox. They're terrible. That team is not a good baseball team, and I love it. That city doesn't deserve a good team. They're a terrible city with terrible people, and they're just losers. You know why no one likes the cold? Because Boston's cold, and New York is cold, and those are two terrible cities to root for in any sport. Now, the good news is the Yankees have moved up to the 29th favorite team on my list. Because I said before on this podcast, actually, that there was no no scenario where I would ever root for the New York Yankees. In fact, if the fate of humanity was on the line, I would say I'd rather rather die than watch the Yankees win. Well, now I'd rather the Yankees beat the Red Sox. So now the Red Sox are that team that if the fate of humanity was on the line, I would just throw my hands and be like, well, we had a pretty good run, I guess. Um, Go ahead and blow us up, aliens, or whatever. Um... Yeah, I don't like the Red Sox. I'll never root for the Boston Red Sox because that stunt they pulled on opening day was a total punk move by a total punk loser franchise. And they got swept because they're a bunch of punk losers. I have never talked to and a you know what? baseball fan. Let me say this. As much as- Let me say this. That sign behind home plate that Boston kids eat free when Boston wins, I'm glad those kids are hungry because they need to get out of that cesspool and move to a place that's actually going to respect them. That city is terrible. For someone who actually does like the game of baseball, I've never heard had conversations with someone of that qualification that talks more about tarps or weather delays or postponements than you. Like you get so hung up on this for days. You've talked about this when it's genuine delays in weather. Like that's okay. When it's because somebody's incompetent and can't roll out a tarp, or because there's a cloud in the sky and everything has to be perfect for our opening sweep that we're gonna get then, yeah, I, I kind of scratch my head and be like, that doesn't make much sense to me. And I'll say this, for all the people that say Fenway's the best, like, if the best thing about it is its mystique or its aura or whatever, then what you're saying is it's just old. And that's not good. Old isn't good. And if you think old is good, then come on down. I'm going to get my real estate license, and I've got a ton of abandoned buildings in Nelson County to sell you. Yeah, they're not safe. Yeah, they look terrible, and they're cramped and smelly and gross. But just think, and one side of them for no reason. Yeah, but it's historic. (laughs) Imagine all the history that's gone through that house or that building or whatever it is that's whatever you want to call it that's still standing. It's just so historic, and I'm sure you will love it. And if that sounds ridiculous to you, then just try to imagine saying the best thing about Fenway Park is the history cool that's fine then it's not one of the best ballparks and just stop pretending you know why wrigley is because they've put the cubs have put money in it and renovated it boston is for some reason turning cheap and not putting any money into their stadium they've stopped putting money into their team i don't know what's going on there maybe it's because the fenway sports group now owns multiple teams and multiple leagues including liverpool and they're taking a beating over there with covid and everything but it's i don't know it's just so weird and i've never understood when when people are like oh fenway's great you just have to go 
yeah, it, yeah, the seats are a little too cramped, and yeah, some of the seats are turned weird angles or whatever, but it's cool, man. It's just, oh, it's so awesome. Just thinking of the history and everything there, and I'm like, yeah, the best part about your stadium is you have a giant green wall in left field, which makes you look like a mutant. I don't know. The only thing I didn't get this weekend that I wished I could have gotten was for the Orioles to hit a home run and smack that dumb mascot Wally right in the head, too. Talk about soccer. Let's talk about soccer, Leland. Speaking of the Fenway Sports Group, bad week for them because they got to see their beloved Boston Red Sox, the OGs for them, get swept by the Baltimore Orioles, who now have a 0.2% chance of making the playoffs after that series. And Liverpool in the Champions League quarterfinals took one on the chin today, 3-1 to one to Real Madrid. It's only the first leg, but I don't have a lot of high hopes here. The second leg will be at Liverpool, but you lost 3-1 to one to a really good Real Madrid, well, a good Real Madrid team, a team that's probably about similar to you, and they played a lot better today. It's going to be hard to overcome that. Uh, so I just think this is probably going to be it for Liverpool. I don't see them coming back from this 3-1 deficit. Manchester City had an interesting match today, though, Leland, and I know you are dying to hear about this. Kevin De Bruyne scored early in the 19th minute for Manchester City to give him that 1-0 lead, but Royce equalized for Dortmund. It looked like it was going to be a big, big draw for Borussia Dortmund to get the home second leg, but at the death, as they call it over there in Europe, Philip Foden with a 90th minute go-ahead goal to give Manchester City the 2-1 lead. And I think Manchester City's safe now. I think they'll take care of Dortmund and move on. Looking forward to tomorrow, you got Bayern Munich. They will take care of PSG in what I think will be the winner of that matchup will win the Champions League. Porto is in the other matchup against Chelsea. Uh, I would think Chelsea, but it kind of depends on which Chelsea team shows up. So if you want your Joe predictions. It's going to be Munich. I'll go Chelsea, Manchester City, and Real Madrid. And if you want to, if you're into betting, not that we endorse it for everyone, but if you are, Bayern Chelsea. Munich is your future bet in the Champions League. Good to know. I just, I, I'm interested to see which Chelsea shows up. I'm always interested oh, in mean, seeing which Chelsea shows up. Yeah, I mean, because Christian Pulisic, you know, the American wonder is on that team. Can he get it going in the Champions League? It's a big test for him. It's a big test for American soccer. Sometimes good Chelsea's, sometimes bad Chelsea's. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Yeah, there you go. All right, what I've enjoyed that you need to know this NFL offseason is all this quarterback moving around. Quarterback position has been prioritized so much in the NFL. they've They've created rules around the game to make that position so important for every team that now we see these quarterback, like, decent quarterbacks moving from team to team and it's it's the big names moving and i've enjoyed it and and it's still got to get played out you still got to go to the season and play but i just appreciate all the movement you know when you got you know detroit trading stafford to la when you got um the kid in philadelphia getting traded to the colts when you get uh no one going to chicago or you get andy dalton in chicago but you don't have russell wilson going there but still there's all that talk about it and I really, I think it's a very interesting move. I think this kind of paid off for it to be the most interesting to have Darnold get out of the Jets and go to Carolina. I think it's really interesting to see what they have going on in Carolina, the level uh, Darnold could be there, and with the coaching staff, what they're trying to do. I think it could be a really interesting move. I think it's great for Carolina because now they're not 
drafting a quarterback at, at what eight this year and they can get an offensive lineman or a receiver for Darnold to throw to either way. Good for Darnold offensive lineman or receiver. I think a really good move for Carolina. I think suddenly they look like a really well-run organization with better ownership now. And uh, you know, they're, they're setting their head coach up who came from Baylor, Matt rule uh, to succeed. Like if he doesn't succeed with the moves they're making, it's going to be on him because I mean, they're, they're giving him the pieces. So I really appreciate all this quarterback movement. Uh, here in that Darnold trade, it got me excited about a trade between the New York Jets and the Carolina Panthers. I shouldn't care about that, but I, I like how this vibe in the league is with these quarterbacks moving around. And it also just, you know, now we're going to see three quarterbacks go, you know, top three in the NFL draft, which I, where if you're everybody's going to care about quarterbacks, I think that's interesting. I know you got to have good offensive line and you got to have other pieces. You got to have good defenses, but I think it, it, it makes for the offseason going by faster for the NFL when you have this much to talk about, and, and I like it. I, I get tired of talking about Darrell Revis and where he's going. Like, that's okay. the other prima donna position on the football field. I, I, I've enjoyed this offseason with quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if Sam Darnold is the answer. Like, I, I think he's better than the answer they had. I think he's better than the option they had. But Teddy. And I wouldn't use the number eight pick on it. But if there's a quarterback I feel okay about in the second, third round, I'd probably take maybe. a quarterback there. I, I would I not I put do. all my eggs in the Sam Darnold basket. I just maybe not long term, but I think next year they're in better shape than they could have been and they can use that high draft pick differently. I I like it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do. It did cost them almost nothing. So I, I don't mind them trading for him. I mean, a six, what was it? A six round this year and a second next year. It's not two, a two and four next year, but yeah, That's not it, bad. it didn't cost them a whole lot. That's not bad. And the, the Jets, Jets like have to feel Jets dumb. Spent a lot to That's get a Darnold, number three. Now they got rid of them for not great. Like, That's a number three pick. Like yeah. Idiots. It's the number three pick that you traded for a six, a second and a fourth. Not great. Um, but that's just football. So, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Tell your friends. Make sure they know we're going to be breaking down the volleyball and football playoffs as they go along. Leland's probably going to talk about the Masters next week, which will be whatever. But I didn't even preview it this week. I, I gave you a break. Until then, how long did you just go off about soccer? Yeah, I hadn't talked about soccer in like two or three weeks, so you're welcome. Um, it is important. Yeah. This is yeah, the Champions League. You're welcome. you're welcome, listeners. This one's for Rob. Um, I know Rob was missing his soccer talk, so I wanted to give it to him. Um, but yeah, until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Exports Podcast. Be sure to listen next week and in the future. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.